Why don't you turn with me to scriptures again we've been looking at, and I have a few things I want to say before we get into this, but 1 John 4 and Gospel of John 13. 1 John 4, Gospel of John 13. You know, uh, concerning the recent happenings and the current events, the Lord has reminded us of our place, the church's place in these things. And uh, I think we, we spoke at the church a few weeks ago about that the first order of business of warfare is fear not. Do not fear. Amen. And that stands. Uh, God needs our faith to give him a legal right to intervene in the affairs of men. And as citizens of heaven and as citizens of this country, we have legal right and authority. Amen. Amen. Both realms, both kingdoms, we have a voice. But the only voice that God can move on and act on is the voice of faith. And something the Lord had reminded me of. You know, the tragedies that have happened were not the will of God. They did not please Him. And if He could have legally, and, and there's another word, if He could have within the scope of his entire plan and legally, he would have prevented that. But because of the nation's regression and leaving him out, when you leave him out of one thing, you leave him out of another. Did you hear me? You can't say, Lord, I, want, I don't want your correction, but I want your direction. Hmm. I don't want you in my government, I don't want you in my schools, I don't want you in this, but I want you to protect me. That's a contradiction. When you push God away, you push him away. And the Lord has protected us. But uh, the, the thing the, the Lord was ministering to me a week or so ago was that... Uh, Judgments are due in this world. They are. But I, I, he reminded me of people like Hezekiah, people like Manasseh, as evil as he was. He was an evil guy. But he really repented. And all of the judgment that the Lord said would come, he postponed it a generation because of his repentance. You and I play a major role and factor in what's going on right now. And what the Lord spoke to my heart just even this morning, if we see things going, it looks like it's already happened in a way that we don't like and we know is not His will, we're not to accept it. Did you hear me? We have more authority than we know. If it looks like something's going away that we don't, we know's not right, and it looks like it's well, people are too quick to throw up their hands and say, "Well, you know, what can we do? We can do something." And the Lord came up in my heart strong. We're to put our foot down and say, "No, we're not having it that way." Did you hear me? 
It needs to come up in you a lot stronger than that. I said, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it that way, but the Lord says, when you see something and it looks like it's already going away, that don't you sit there and think, well, you know, we prayed, we tried, we, he said, no. From the inside of you stand up and say, no, we're not having it that way. Even if it, we know how to walk by faith, don't we? Even if it looks like it's not going the right way, put your foot down. Spiritually, we stand up and say, no, we're not having it that way. We're not having it that way. That's right. We are the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. We're what's preserving this thing. And we do have a lot more authority and right in saying these things than we thought we do. Especially when, when a portion of the body stands up as one man and puts their spiritual foot down and says, No, we're not having it like this. We don't care what they said. We don't care what that one said. We don't care what they think. They think they have the power. Don't you remember what Jesus told Pilate? He said, you have no power against me at all unless it was given to you from above. We know who really holds the power. Amen. Glory to God. So let's get bold in our authority. Let's get bold in our faith and in our praying. Amen. And when you hear something on the news or you see something and it looks like it's not, you know, it's not going the right way. Don't just go, well, mm-mm. you know, that's not right. Don't do that. Just stand up and remember this day. Stand up and say, no, we're not having it that way. Huh? No, we're not having it that way. Why don't you try that on for size. Say it out loud. See if you can, if you can say it right. No, we're not having it that way. No. No. See, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you shut down, amen, you and I can sit down on stuff spiritually. We can shut it down. The devil doesn't want us to know this. He wants us to believe that we're helpless pawns. Victims, just sitting by, watching, see what's going to happen. But no, I've got this bigger in me than I'm saying it, I think. But I think you understand. We're not nobodies in this planet. We are citizens of heaven. And we're citizens of this country, most of us here. We're citizens of the kingdom of God in the body and the earth. Amen. And we have a right to stand up and say something. And the most important thing is not that the news media hears it. It's that it's heard in the spirit. Amen. And I just sense that there's going to there's some things happening, but there's some things going to come up, and you and I need to stand up on our feet spiritually and shut it down and say, no, mm-mm, no, no, we're not having it like this. The devil will say, well, what can you do? You say, watch, <laughs> watch. The devil wants us to think that we're powerless, that we're that we're victims. But I'm telling you, we have more authority in the earth than anybody else. I need to say that three times. I said, we have more authority in the earth than anybody else. We have more authority in this earth than anybody else. We, the church, the body of Christ, has more authority in this earth than anybody else. When we stand up and say it doesn't go, it doesn't go. We're to rule and reign as kings in this time, 
in this life. Romans tells us. Hallelujah. The biggest challenge is us believing it. And acting on it. Now, I hope you understand that the teachings that we're, we've been doing are not disconnected with where we are. In life and in the world right now. I think you'll see some of this clearer. Let me read the text and then, and then show you how some of this ties in. 1 John 4 and verse 7. Let me hear you say it one more time. I'm not having it that way. <laughs> okay. I want you to be primed for that. What if it looks like it's going on and on and on and it's not changing? What do you do? Don't you back up and say, I'm not having We, use the word we. We. Talking about the whole church. The body. We're not having it that way. No. We're having the will of God. Verse 7, he said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God, and knows God. And he that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. God is love. Amen? Verse 16, skip down to it, please. We have known and believed... The love that God has to us. God is love. This must be important, mustn't it? God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God. And God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have what? Boldness. Boldness. How many understand that a wimpy, snivelly prayer will not get results? A little wimpy, scared, snivelly, weak confession doesn't get the job done. Now it's not about how loud you are, but boldness is essential. And boldness is not something you work up. People try it. I've seen people try to work up boldness. Try to work up boldness to witness to somebody. Try to work up boldness to preach or say something. And it just comes across hard and fleshy and unreal. You know, if if boldness was just something you could flip a switch and, and, and put on yourself, then the Apostle Paul would have been off when in Ephesians he asked them to pray for him. For boldness. They could have just said, well, Paul, just stir it up and be bold. Now, he knew that that's not how it works. You don't just stir it up. Boldness is the result of knowing. You're bold because you're sure. Amen? If you ask somebody directions to somewhere and they say, well, let me see now. You go this way. No, no, let's see. No, uh -uh. No, it's the other way. And you go north for about three. Or is it south? Let's see. That's wavering, right? Why is it that way? Because they, they're not sure. They don't know. But if they say, well, you go up here, you know, 1.3 miles. You make a right turn and you go that way two miles. And you make a left at that intersection and it's right there on the right. How do you know? Well, I used to go to work that way every day for 12 years. 
You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Are you sure you're sure? Look, I know, okay? I know that's the way it is. That's boldness. Boldness because they are sure. Amen? And what we sometimes Christians have missed in trying to be bold in praying, trying to be bold in acting on our authority, bold in claiming our healing, bold in dealing with the devil, is to fail to realize that the foundation of our faith, that thing that our faith works by, is a revelation of love. You cannot be bold beyond your revelation of love. Which is to say you can't be bold beyond your revelation of God. Boldness. People who know love know God. Right? We've seen that repeatedly. And they that know their God will what? Will be strong and do exploits. Can you say amen? Amen. Faith is inseparable from knowing God. Some have missed this in thinking it was just about principles. Learning the 12 steps to this. And learning the nine characteristics to this. And you know it's like those seven sons of Sceva that went to cast out the devil. And they they had heard Paul use the formula in their mind uh, to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And they said we adjure thee by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And what did he say? Spirit spoke out of the man and said... I know Jesus, Paul I'm acquainted with, but who are you? Because they didn't know what they were talking about, right? They didn't know this Jesus that they were throwing his name around. And that's why you can't just copy somebody else's confession. Hmm? You can't just copy somebody else's prayer. And think if I'll push this button and pull this lever just like they did in the same amount of times they did, that bingo zingo, it'll happen. Faith is not just a mechanical thing. Faith is a living trust in living love. If you don't know love, you don't know God. If you don't know God, you can't have faith. But the greater your revelation of love, your boldness increases. You watch it. The more a person knows the love of God, it almost seems like a contradiction to what you expect. Because, you know, people expect somebody that's all bold and strong in God to be hard. People who don't know God. But it's the opposite that's true. It's amazing. The person that's full of the love of God and can be so kind and so tender when they need to act on their authority, they'll rise up like a lion. You'll be amazed. Amen? It was so much this way with the Apostle Paul that they thought his enemies accused him of having a split personality. You remember in in the letters to the Corinthians, he said, among other things, he said they were saying, his enemies were saying, his letters are bold to the point of terror being terrifying. But his bodily presence is weak and contemptible. They say, oh yeah, boy, he he writes a mean letter. 
<laughs> but when he shows up, he's just this little meek guy. And, you know, and he warned him. He said, I want you to know that I don't just carry the word in vain. He said, you better make up your mind now. Do you want me to come to you in love or you want me to come to you with a rod? Because such as I am in letters, I will be with you when I come. The real thing, how many understand God is love? And even though He is so great and He is so mighty, little children can be comfortable in His presence. And He doesn't try to intimidate you and He doesn't try to scare you. But Him who is love can rise in His might. Amen? And His power be such that it is terrifying. There is nothing stronger in the world, in the universe and time and eternity, than love. The devil knows this. The devil is scared, spitless for lack of a better word. He's scared of this love because this love is God. But because of this, he has effectively, I might add, effectively deceived and duped the church into thinking that love is equal to being weak. So that people didn't desire it and people didn't pursue it because they thought if you walk strong in love, it means you're a weakling. It's been portrayed that way in entertainment and movies and spineless Preachers that are supposed to be walking in love and just cowards. And every other thing. But nothing could be further from the truth. Is there anything stronger than God? And God is love. So if you want to be strong, strong, strong beyond humanity, what do you want? You want the love of God. You want a revelation of the love of God working in you, rising in you. And what it will do is push out the timidity, push out the insecurity until there's nothing but boldness left. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell me again, what's going to do that for you? Love. Love. Do you believe it? Does it make you hungry for love? That that equals to be hungry for God. Let's continue reading this. Say it out loud again. God is love. God is love. Verse 16. We have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Nothing could be stronger than that. Herein is our love made perfect. Our love is perfected in this knowing and believing the love that God has to us. This love is so great. And what the Lord Jesus has done for us is so great, we can only accept it by faith. The Lord said this to me some years ago, and I'm I'm still meditating on it. He said, the most challenging thing for my people to believe is my great love to them. You'll find people that it messed up, some of them not too bad, and get out of church and quit serving God, and you try to talk to them, well, God will forgive you, he'll cleanse you, and they just can't believe 
that God would really forgive them completely and it'd be all right and they could go on and do what they're supposed to do. Well, if, you, if you're stumbling over that, then you, you don't even in a small measure believe that He loves you even as He loves the Lord Jesus. We just have to, we believe it and accept it by faith. How much does God love you? How much? Have you thought about it? If you do, it totally pushes out all your insecurities and all your fears. Keep reading. We have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. How is he? He's the beloved of the father. Does the Father love the Master? Does the Father love the Lord Jesus? Completely. He was completely obedient in the earth. He offered the total sacrifice. He completely fulfilled the Father's pleasure and will. Does He love Him? How does He love you and I? See, I just asked the question earlier. Here's the answer. How much does He love you? He loves me. Just as much as he loves the Lord Jesus. As the master is. Sitting at the right hand of the father. Beloved of the father. So am I. Right here, right now. In this world. Is that too good to be true? It's too true to be doubted. (laughs) Say I believe it. I know this love. I believe this love. I receive this love. As the Father loves Jesus. At His right hand. Right now. Even so. Just as so. He loves me. Right here. In this world. Hallelujah. Does that do anything for you? Notice what it does for you. As he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out. That's a strong word. It throws out fear. Forces it out. Because fear has torment and he that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him. Because he first loved us. Any fear in our life is the result of a lack of revelation of God. The love of God in that area. What will push out your fear? Love. Knowing how much God loves you. And letting that love flow through you to others. Read that part again. There is no fear in love. How much? No fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Cast it out. The more love, the revelation of God's love for you comes up in you, 
It pushes out the fear and all that's left is boldness. So much so that he said in the very day of judgment, you and I can stand boldly. Not fearing judgment, not fearing punishment. Why? Because we know our sins have been washed away. Amen. Do you have to fear punishment right now? Do you have to fear judgment right now? Do you have to kind of wonder, well, you know, I did a lot of bad stuff when I was a young person and before I got saved. And, and you, know, I, you know, you reap what you sow. And I guess one of these days, you, you see, Christians, it's, they're supposed to know better. Good Christians. Uh, you know, things begin to happen in their life. And they say, well, I guess this is just, you know, some of my old life coming on me. Well, you don't know the love of God. Well, you got to reap what you sow. No, you don't. Not if Jesus reaped it for you. I said, not if Jesus reaped it for you. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And the fourth chapter. This is where we left off last night. Let me review just a little bit for those of you that haven't been with us. We've talked about the love of God. We've talked about it being the mark of the true Christian. Here we talked about it being the, the basis and operation of our faith. The means whereby all fear is expelled. And we said in life you live by two, one of two basic laws. The law of the flesh or the law of Christ. The law of the flesh is, is you living for you, living for yourself, believing that you just strive to get whatever you can get to make you happy. The law of Christ is bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of the Christian, acting like him, believing that full joy comes from laying down your life for another. Amen. Amen. We said that two of the major keys that will keep you right in the vein and flow of love is number one, joy. Amen. If you think you're walking in love and you're just getting sadder and sadder and more and more depressed, you're not doing it right. You're in the wrong vein. Everybody say joy. joy. He said this, this is the commandment I'm giving you, the commandment of love, so that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. But then secondly, we said that if, you know, there is a suffering according to the will of God, and, and we, want to, we want to be like the Master, willing to lay down our life for somebody else, and willing to suffer, willing to be put out, willing to be inconvenienced, but only if it helps another. Right? This is what will separate you from the errors in, this, in some doctrines that are in the church. You got people that believe they're suffering all kind of things, even being sick and being broke and tormented just for their own some kind of mystical spiritual development. But if some if somebody is not benefiting from you being inconvenienced or put out, then what good is it? And all the sufferings of the master that he endured, it wasn't for himself. It was for another. It was for us. So the sufferings that are according to the will of God, the sufferings according to the, to the Christ, are sufferings for somebody else that benefits somebody else. Now we went through a number of scriptures talking about that, and I didn't get through, I want to I finish that. 
in, in getting to something else. Are you there in 2 Corinthians? In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians 4, 15. If you back up, you see that he talked about being troubled, being distressed. Uh, not distressed into trouble, but being perplexed, uh, being persecuted, being cast down, bearing about in his body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I mean, Paul went through a lot of stuff. How many know that? But in verse 15, he says, but all these things are what? For your sakes. Why was he going through all that? He's going through it for the Corinthians and for the Ephesians and for the Colossians and for the Philippians and for you and I that would benefit from all this, the revelation that he got and taught and preached. All these things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, for though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. But our light affliction... Which is but for a moment. Did you hear what he called all the stuff he went through? (laughs) I told you it was light and easy. Huh? But our what? Light affliction. Now remember we we told you about Brother Vic Victory. And Brother Terry Trial. You remember that? See, why would Paul call all... I mean, he got beat up. He, he got stoned. He, he got run out of town. I mean, all the stuff he went through, he calls light affliction. It's how you see it. I said, it's how you see it. And it's the spiritual momentum that you have when you get to it. And that you go through it with. We're all going through the same common trials... But it's our spiritual momentum we approach them with and how we handle them that makes the difference whether we think it's a terrible, terrible thing or whether it's just light affliction. And our light affliction, which is what? Just for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of Glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are Eternal. Skip down to the fifth chapter, please. 5.14. I wanted to finish this foundation of things here before we moved on. 5.14 says, For the love of Christ constrains us, compels us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Should we live unto ourselves? Should we live for ourselves? Should we live, get up every morning and pursue to make ourselves happy? In the end, if you live your whole life, trying to make you happy and you get everything that you think you want and you get yourself in every position that you think you want yourself to be in, will you be happy when it's all said and done? You will not. People don't believe this, but the Master said it. If you strive for your own life and if you try to hold on to it, what did He say would happen? You will lose it. But what if you lay it down for others? What if you don't live for yourself? 
What if you live for the Lord, which equals living for other people? What if you do that? He said, you'll find it. Amen. And he said, my joy will be in you. Is there any greater joy and satisfaction than being used of God? To meet somebody's needs. Having a word that somebody needs. Having money that they need. Being in a position to be a blessing. Being in a position to take a burden off of somebody. Is there any greater blessing? Is there any greater joy or satisfaction than that? There is not. Let's keep reading. Go on over, if you would, to the uh, eighth chapter. Well, for time's sake, just go to the twelfth chapter. I don't have... uh, All these scriptures are good. You know that. You have to watch it. You'll read all of them. Second Corinthians 12. Second Corinthians 12. Paul had been talking throughout this chapter about things he had gone through. In verse 10. Second Corinthians 12. 10. Therefore I what? Take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for my spiritual development's sake. No. Mm-mm. For what? Is that going to benefit other people? Yes. For Christ's sake. For when I'm weak... When I've spent out, when I've given out, then am I strong? Then is there an inflow from God? Did you see the first phrase? I take pleasure in it. There's the joy. If you get caught up in this thing about, well, we're just, we're suffering for the Lord. We're working hard and it's bad, but but later on there's glory. Then you're missing the mark. And what you do will be in vain. We'll show you that later in 1 Corinthians 13. But he said, I take pleasure in it. Verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Verse 14. He said, the third time I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. I'm not after your stuff. I'm after you. For the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Now get this, get this. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I'll do it how? Very gladly. Did you get this? This will open up whole realms to you right here. I told you, you can't separate this love from this joy. Paul said, I've done all this. We've been beat up. We've been kicked. We've been stoned. We've been run out of town. We've been hungry. We've been in the cold. We've been afloat in the sea for days. We've been betrayed. We've been all of this. But he said, I will very gladly spend everything I got and be completely spent For you. For you. Why? Because this was helping them. Getting 
put, you know, the devil was trying to stop him from getting to these churches, stop this revelation from getting out, but he made up his mind nothing could stop him till he had run his course and finished. And he said, I will glad, said out loud, gladly. gladly. Don't you just make that whole confession. I will very gladly, will very gladly. Spend, spend and be spent, and be spent for, others. for others. Say it again. I will very gladly, will very gladly. spend. And be spent for others. You'll do it how? Very gladly. How will you do it? Very gladly. God wakes you up and wants you to pray for somebody. How will you do it? Well, I'm not getting my sleep and I'm just laying down my life for Jesus. The Lord deals with you to give that money that you had set aside for something else. And he deals with you to give it to somebody to help them out. You'll do it how? What kind of giver does God love? Can you see how all these things begin to come together, don't they? Why? What if you're giving sadly? Is it, is it okay anyway? You get the same blessing. It works out anyway. I mean, they got the money, right? No, it's not okay at all. I said, it's not okay at all. Go with me now to 1 Corinthians 13, please. We got the foundation laid. 1 Corinthians 13. And let's talk about how to yield to this love. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not quite through with that other. Everybody say very gladly. gladly. Spend. Spend. And be spent. spent. I will. will. Very gladly. gladly. Spend. Spend. And be spent. spent. Hold your place there and go to Philippians. You don't want me to short you out of anything, do you? I remember something that Brother... uh, Lester Sumrall said, back when I was a student at Ramah, he came and did a seminar. And he told of a church he was in some years ago, and an incident that just stuck with me. He said that they were in this church, and people were coming to get saved. And he said, after the service was over and everybody had left, there were two men still up in the altar, praying. And not knowing some things, understanding some things, begging, one of them begging God to save them. And just didn't understand some things that, that the price has already been paid that you believe you receive. But they were up there praying their hearts out. And he said uh, he watched one of them get up and kind of, uh, you could just tell by their, their walk and their actions with, with remorse, with dejection, they walked out. And they looked, and they had an offering box of some kind that was bolted right beside the, the, the door as you went, in, went out or came in. And said so he walked by and he looked at that offering box and just kind of waved his hand like that and walked out. And he said the other guy, he got up with tears streaming down his face and, and, and a big smile and a glow about him. And he walked out. You know, and he got, he came to that door and he looked at that box and he reached and he got his pocketbook and he put, picked up the lid and opened it up and just dumped it out like that. 
and reached and got his pockets and he just pulled them out, threw it in and just said, hallelujah. And he walked out the door. And he said he started laughing. He thought it was funny. You know, Brother Lester Summerall, he's interesting anyway. He, he said he thought that was real funny. He laughed at that guy. He thought he was acting silly. And he said the Lord spoke to him and he said the man that couldn't give anything at the door couldn't give anything at the altar. But the man that gave everything at the door gave everything at the altar. Hallelujah. And I have seen this. You know, I've been hungry to know and understand God's prosperity. Haven't you? And it's not just doing mechanical things and pull this lever and this happens and the money flows uh, as far as mechanical things I'm talking about. But it is something in your heart that changes. And I've seen the times when we've had the greatest flows of finance in our life was when I had the greatest willingness to give. I wanted to do it. You want to do beyond what you have. Amen? And it's not just going through the motion of writing tithe checks. It's not just going through the motion of of sowing seed. And even if the Lord deals with you, say, well, okay, all right, I'll do it. No, that's not enough. God sees your heart. He's not impressed with the numbers. You can't even impress Him with a great big check. But when you want to do it. I said, you want to do it. You want to do it. You want to tithe. You want to come and bring the tenth part. And you want to come and bring the first fruits. You want to come. You look forward to the service. Amen. That you can come and lift it up before the Lord and honor the Lord with it. Hallelujah. You believe God till you get to the place where you can give a larger amount. And you get excited about it. And you want to do it. Amen. That's when things begin to break spiritually in your finances. Everybody say very gladly. I will very gladly spend and be spent for others. I want to do it. Do you want to tithe? And you see people that are fussing about do I have to tithe? No, you don't have to tithe. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to do anything. God's given us a free will. He lets us choose. But the problem is, is revealing that you've got serious heart problems when you don't want to. Why don't you want to? Is the question. Serious spiritual problems. Serious heart problems. That's why God loves a cheerful giver. He loves somebody that wants to do it. Amen. And if there's first a willing heart and mind, it's accepted according to what a man has. God will accept your offering, even though it might be small, just like it was $10 million. Amen? When your heart's right. You remember the widow's offering, don't you? She gave everything she had, but it wasn't just the amount. She gave her heart. She wanted to do it. She wanted to please God. That's something you can't make anybody do. You can't coerce somebody and make them want to do it. That's what God wants above all things. He doesn't just want us to do it. He wants us to want 
to do it. Say it again, I will very gladly. Very gladly. I will very gladly spend and be spent for the Lord, for others. Hallelujah. Paul was so much this way of the love of God constraining him, like he said, that this determined in whether he stayed or went to heaven, it determined whether he lived or died. In Philippians 1, are you there? Philippians 1. He said, verse 19, I know this will turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with what? So what do we know is working here? The love of God. He couldn't be bold without it. With all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Is he very gladly ready to spend and be spent? Is he? For to, This is the same uh, book that you see, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And again I say rejoice. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, far better for who? For him. Especially somebody that's been there. He knew, he, ha- he really knew what he was talking about. And it was pulling on him strong. And he's already done a lot of ministry. He's already had some fruit. But verse 24, look at it. Nevertheless... It's pulling on him. Heaven's pulling on him. To go and be with the Lord's pulling on him. But he said, nevertheless, to abide or to stay in the flesh is more needful for who? For you. I want to go. I want to go a lot. But it would help you if I stayed. So what's he going to do? Verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide. I will stay. And continue with you all for your furtherance and joy and what? And joy, everybody say joy. Joy. And joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. He said, I got to thinking about it and how much better it would be for me to go and be with the Lord. And oh man, it would be far, far better for me, oh, to just depart and go to be with the Lord. But I got to thinking about you. (laughs) And you need me. And I can help you. See, he knew he had a choice in the matter. I want not what I shall choose. He could have chosen to go on. We need to realize that, friend, we have a choice in this thing. And, and don't think that, and I'm just taking up your time this morning, this can help you live or die. This can help you stay and live and finish and get some more fruit. Don't think that just because some disease has, has attached itself to your body or something has attacked you that you don't have any choice in the matter, that you just have to die. Well, I don't want to die, Brother Keith, but this thing has attacked me and it's, and it's killing me. No, like we were saying before, we've already taught you the phrase. You need to stand up and say, no, I'm not having it this way. 
That was mighty weak. (laughs) You need to know in these kind of situations, but can you see your faith works by what? If the only reason you have to stay is just so that you can watch some more TV, then you don't have the foundation for your faith to work by because your faith works by love. How could Paul be so bold to say, you know, I don't, I don't know which one I'm going to choose, whether I stay or whether I go. How could he be so bold to know that he had this kind of authority? Where life and death were concerned, did you hear the basis of the operation of his faith? It was the love. He was so strong in his love for his people that God had given him that he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay. Yeah, but Paul, they want to kill you. They want to cut your head off. And you're getting older and this and that. That meant nothing to him. I'm going to stay. Somebody needs to say that this morning. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I will not die. I will live, I will stay, and be a blessing to others. When I first got in the ministry, this was, the Lord taught me this, and I'll try to wrap this up pretty quick. I, I hadn't gone to school or anything. I just, I got a hold of some of the Copeland's tapes and got a hold of some of Brother Hagin's tapes. and I had learned that I was redeemed from the curse of the law. And I was dangerous with that, man. <laughs> and uh, a, an older lady in the church had been attacked with cancer. And I, I worked not too far from the hospital where she was at. And uh, the Lord prompted me to go by and visit her. Well, I mean, she was, you know, old enough to be my, my grandmother. And a strong woman in the church, well respected in the church. Everybody loved to hear her testify, minister. And uh, she was laying there and the doctor said, no hope. Well, I began to talk to her about being healed. And I told her right off the bat, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. It just meant nothing to her. She loved the Lord, but you know, she just didn't see it. And the Lord began to teach me there then how that his word is medicine to us. But just like in the natural, you don't just walk in the, in, into the doctor and he got a standard medication he gives everybody for everything. Huh? Now he's got to diagnose your problem and then give you the medication that fits that. And we later got into this in some detail in the healing ministries under Brother Hagin, but uh, he actually talked to us about being divine healing technicians and all these kind of things, and that's what it, it's involved. But... Uh, I begin to talk about, you know, Jesus took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. And some way or another, it just, you know, didn't excite her. But, you know, that's one way you learn. Through trial and error. Just stay with it. So I, we talked about the fatherhood of God. I didn't know that much, but everything I knew, I went over three or four times. But you don't give up. She was kind and gracious. She said, well, because I'd ask her, could I read a scripture? Could I? Well, yeah, honey, read the scripture. <laughs> and she was tolerant with me. Finally, though, one day, if you don't quit, I said, if you don't quit. I came in and we read the 91st Psalm. Got down to the latter part with long life. I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. 
And I called her name. I said, Sister, I said, you know, you don't believe that, that, that you're completely through, do you? I mean, aren't there some other things that you'd like to do and, 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 and like to be involved in, in the church? I said, besides all that, us young people need you. I mean, you've walked with the Lord long enough now to learn a few things. And just about time you learn some things, you're going to take off before you pass them on to us. I said, we need you. She began to cry. She said, well, honey, I'd like to help you young folk. I said, we need you to help us young folk. I read it again. With long life, he'll satisfy you and show you his salvation. I said, are you through? Are you satisfied? She just kind of shook her head. Well, honey, I, yeah, there are some other things. Well, like I said, we got scripture for it right here. I said, I begin to see, I'm getting somewhere now. After days of nothing hooking, I'm beginning to see some light in her eyes. She's crying and she's saying, well, yeah, honey, I, I would like to help you. Young folks. I said, I'd like to see you stand up in church and testify again. I'd like to see you help us out. I said, don't you have some other things in your heart that you feel like you should do? So what are we talking about? Having confidence hmm? that you need me for your furtherance and joy of faith. Are, are you with me, friends? I haven't digressed. Your faith works by what? Love. She began to stir up. She, she said, you know, I, I do have some things in my heart. I said, yes, you do. Yes, you have some things. I read it again. We're long life. Man, we're getting somewhere. The Lord's my witness. In a few days, she was out of the hospital. Hallelujah. Supposed to be dead. Went home. In a few more days, she was standing in that little church testifying in front of that altar. Hallelujah. Now I want you to tell me what brought her off of the deathbed. Huh? It was the power of God. It was God. It was the anointing. It was faith. But how did the faith get started? What was the faith based on? What did the faith work by? Love. The love of God, hallelujah, pushed out the fear of dying, pushed out the fear of laying there and that cancer destroying the rest of your body. It pushed it out until she was so filled with love and belief. I gotta get out and help them young folks. I gotta get out and help the church. I got love. Hallelujah is stronger than cancer. Love is stronger than oppression and fear. Love is stronger than death. Hallelujah. The scripture says so in Song of Solomon. Love is stronger than death. Do you know that's why death could not hold love in the ground? Hallelujah. Do you understand that that's why though all the realms of darkness and hell had clasped themselves on to our precious Lord Jesus, that death itself, sin itself, hell itself, the devil himself could not hold love down. And that love, that love is in you. That love is shed abroad in your and my heart by the Holy Ghost. That love. No wonder we can be bold in the face of death. Love has already conquered death. I said love has already conquered death. Hallelujah. Death was knocking on Paul's door. 
You know, sitting in there in that damp dungeon in chains. He's older now. He's preached all over the known world. He's got churches all over the place. He's got fruit. And don't you know the thoughts are coming. You've, you've done enough. You've been through enough. You're older now. Death is there. And he got to thinking about it. It sure would be good to go to be with Jesus. Ooh, get out of this place for one thing. Food here is lousy. <laughs> but something else rose up in his heart. Hallelujah. The love of God came. He got to thinking about his churches that he had established and that he was writing to and his people that were under him. He got to thinking about that and the love came up in him so strong it ran death out of that jail cell. And he quit thinking about dying right then. Hallelujah. Said out loud, I will not die. I will live. I will declare the work of God. I will see the glory of God. I will be a blessing. I will help others. That's why I live. Glory to God. I will very gladly. Very gladly. Spend and be spent. Are you beginning to touch the joy of that friend? I don't know if you feel it, but I've been working in the spirit ever since I got here. (laughs) The Holy Ghost has been working. Working on this thing. Working on this thing. Amen. How do we know we're getting there? Because joy begins to break up in your heart. Begins to come up in you. And you get to the place where you just want to run out and give everything you got. You just want to pull off your clothes and your jewelry. Amen. And just and give it away. Well, don't be foolish. Don't miss God. But keep that. I said keep that. Keep it in your heart. That you don't count your life. So precious that you have to try to save it unto yourself. You'll lay it down. If it it would help somebody else. Amen. And you won't do it morbidly. You won't do it with depression. You will do it how? You'll do it very gladly. Very gladly. I can't get off of that. Why don't you stand up and say it out loud. I will very gladly. Spend. And be spent. I will gladly. Give everything I got. And myself. My body. My life. I will do it gladly. For the Lord. For His people. I rejoice. In God's choice. For me. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer after me, please. Let it come from the depth of your being with passion. This is only applicable if it's true, if you really do hunger for it. Say, Lord, I hunger. I must have the place of usefulness. Maximum usefulness. Use me. Use me. Pour me out. Like water. Just like my master. Just like my beloved Jesus. Let my every breath. My every word. My every prayer. My every act. Benefit. And bless. 
bless and help and strengthen somebody. I must have it. I must have it. Use me. Pour me out. I will very gladly spend and be spent for your use. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Is it working in you? Is His love working in you? Do you notice something else? You're growing bolder. I said you're growing bolder. It's inseparable. (laughs) The more that love works in you, the more fear leaves you, the more bold you get. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more powerful you become. Because you're not just living for yourself. It's for others. It's for God. Glory to God. I believe something very, very good is happening here. You know, thank God for miracles you can see. Healings and deliverance. But I'm telling you, some of the greatest miracles you cannot see, at least initially, they happen deep down in people's spirits. They happen deep down in their hearts and their souls. But they're forever changed. Hallelujah. The fruit is forthcoming in the, in the years and decades and generations to come. Glory to God. Say it one more time. I will very gladly, very gladly spend and be spent for the love of others. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.